This is Dead British. One brave improviser has no idea which character from history they're about to play, but thankfully, our interviewer knows everything about them. Hello, I'm Wolname, and every episode, we use a psychic and some Muppet-based technology to bring back a character from British history. Due to that process, some, or all, of our historical characters' memories might have been affected. So, although I know who I'm about to talk to, they don't. So here, finding out who they are at the same time you do. They're British, they were dead, please welcome William Shakespeare! Hello, William. Are you well? Hello. I, I'm fine. Yes. William is, of course, known for uh, being a playwright and a poet uh, who is widely considered one of the greatest writers of all time. Uh, you have uh, been credited with having written at least 37 plays and 154 sonnets. Some of your most famous plays include Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet and Macbeth. True. That's very true. Yes, I, I wrote them all. I wrote them all. I wrote them all. Now, there is some debate over the authorship of all your plays, so you are saying... Shush! It's got poppycock! Outrage and lies. I wrote them all. So there was no collaboration with other authors, this was entirely your own pen. I will, if I may call you that. Um, no, I've never looked at another author. I've never collaborated with anybody except myself. And I may have looked at my own reflection in a mirror... That's the only collaboration I have ever made. Uh, well, you were born in Stratford-upon-Avon in 1564 during the Tudor period, and following your marriage, you had lost years between 1585 and 1592, where nobody knows where you were or what you had been doing. So, William, I have to ask, what were you doing? Oh, well, oh, it was a crazy time for me. Um, I ate a very big chicken. <laughs> <laughs> at the beginning of it. And I must say, I felt quite strange for a few days, so I went for a walk in the forest. Um, thereby, I met a scarecrow, a tin man, <laughs> and a lion. And a nice young lady with shiny shoes. Or she may just have had hot feet, I don't know. <laughs> we went for a meander up a, a road that was kind of a you know, a beige kind of colour, bright beige, some may even say yellow. And um, I lost a few weeks, I won't lie, and um, some say weeks turn into years, and they pass, and that uh, could be in a song, but I <laughs> cannot recall. Okay. Uh, so you went down... Oh, yes, I, I remembered the song. Do <laughs> you know the way to San Jose? I don't know, that's so funny. Do you know the way to San Jose? Yes, yes, uh, weeks turn into months, how quickly pass, the pumping gas. Good, I didn't ask, but I'm glad I now know. <laughs> so, on this time that you spent away, you went and found a beige brick road uh, with a scarecrow, a lion and a tin man, did you say? Oh yes, yes I did. And uh, what was the result of this expedition? Um, we found a, a nice place and had a sit-down. That was it. For seven years, you wandered with those people, or objects, creatures, uh, and you uh, found a lady with shiny shoes, and the end result is you had a sit-down. Correct. Did, did, this, did this big sit-down inspire any particular scene in any of the works that you penned? 
Um, yes, there's a scene in As You Like It. In fact, let's just say the whole thing. It really reminds me of sitting down. <laughs> I have no further questions. Well, what's your favourite type of sitting down? I'm sorry? What's your favourite type of sitting down? Uh, do you like to sit down quickly? Do you like to sit down with thought? Do you like to sit down with a tea? I think sit down with a tea. Nice. <laughs> it's amazing how poetic your works were and how literal your conversation is. Thank you. So is this how it works? Your conversation is incredibly literal and mundane, and yet your works are imbued with imagery. Do you like to keep your conversational life and your uh, written life separate? I don't know. I mean, I think they bleed into one, and they also don't. And I also think that um, sometimes your brain just does things you don't expect whilst you're sitting down. I mean, there's other ways to sit down. You can sit down um, in a way that involves no chair, which I might describe in one of my works as standing up. <laughs> Do remind us of the passage from Macbeth in which you describe sitting down without a chair as standing up in the original iambic pentameter. Lo, hath thine sat down, or is thy a stand-up ruler? Lo, master, may you be long like a banana, but not sitting down like a scrunched-up Sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think it's a metaphor, isn't it? It's a metaphor. It's layered. Yes, 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 yes. yes the yes, meaning's yes. layered. Okay. So I'm very tired from having been brought back from the dead. Uh, you were an actor as well, uh, with evidence that you yourself played the ghost in Hamlet. I did, and I loved it. Gosh, have you ever played a ghost, Will? I've never played a ghost. No. How does one portray a ghost? You stand very still with your eyes closed and you wish that you were a ghost. And by the time you've finished wishing and you realise you are a man, the scene is done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what are some ghost noises? But of course the modern ghost noises that we know, like ooh and ah, that we all know, those are modern ghost noises, but were ghost noises different in your era? I would say yes. In my era, ghosts were quite mundane, like you previously and quite rudely described me. Um, so the ghosts that I have come across, because I have seen some, um, some uh, paranormal things in my life, um, they tend to say things like this. Will, open the door. I left my key at the tavern. <laughs> or Will... You must get up now. There's a pineapple at the door. Are you sure that this is a ghost and not your wife? Oh. <laughs> In 1592, you appeared in London, where you worked as an actor and playwright. Jealous rivals such as Robert Greene would refer to you as an upstart crow. Tell me, William, what's an upstart crow? Um, it's a very dashing uh, bird that gets up before all the other birds. I see. And so how does that relate to you, uh, given Robert Greene described you as an upstart crow? Ah, well, Robert was just a bit salty about the fact that I have good posture and a beaky nose and I dress well. And um, I've stopped going to the tavern on Thursdays and that's his favourite day. And so that makes you an upstart crow? Yes. 
I have no further questions. Uh, I really want to delve into your plays. You would become a successful playwright uh, after your first publications, and your works can be fitted into three categories. Tragedies, comedies, and histories. Is that right? That's correct. Three categories, neatly tied up. But I understand you sometimes looked at other categories. Did you never think maybe there's another category my work could fall into? I did. I did look at other categories. I looked at cookery, um, autobiography, and um, the occult. Well, I would love to see an extract from one of your cookery plays. Oh, why not? Good madam, tis that an apple pie in front of thee? Oh, noble sir, tis verily a pie of apples, should it be? Why, I do find that pie of apples wanting, for tis have no custard punt. For custard, thou must scroll through thine manuscript past my biography, in order to see first the recipe for custard thou should put on't. Aye, for thou must take two parts flour and two parts water for thy pastry, tis not true. I did hear once, good sir, of a pinch of cinnamon. Nay, they speaks of evil, madam. Cinnamon is for Satan. As you rightly know, Cinnamon likes to be pinched. <laughs> Why do you say Cinnamon is for Satan? Well, everybody knows that if you have too much Cinnamon, it makes you um, flush from, from the knees up. <laughs> yes. And that's and, against God? And some may, yes, yes, God's against flushing 100%. Uh, have you read a passage, Will, in the Bible where it says, Ah, and God said to the people, flush forth, or, and God said to the people, hmm, flushing is great. No. Hmm, yes, I, th I think you're correct. Those are not extracts from the Bible. You're correct. right. So there we go. Your question is answered. Uh, you created words and expressions that had never been written in the English language before, including the words fashionable, eyeball, and lackluster. I was wondering, William, could you make up some new words for us now? Oh, I have, yes. In, through the passage of me being brought back to life and landing upon the stage, there were many words that I, I, I made up. Um, uh, herk terp. I would love to see you use herk terp in a sentence. Okay, what, right here? Yes. Okay. Um, excuse me, madam. I appear to have an itchy herk terp. And... This word never caught on. Is there a reason for that? I mean, I'd love to see you attempting to use the word herkterp in your everyday life and thus discovering from your life why it never caught on as a piece of English vocabulary. Oh, why look, tis William. Tis I. Hello, sweet lads. That's ladies, but I say lads. Good day, William, sir. Hello. Oh, my goodness, I have an itchy herkterp. Why, I never... Huh. Ow, mine cheek. It burns. Oh, gosh, like flushing. Like I have consumed cinnamon. Why, they're simply terrible words from thy... But, sweet ladies, I just meant that my inner ear is slightly itchy. Then shower us with other words, Will. Well, oh. today you both look utterly radish town. <laughs> And I like the way that you walk with a town crumble. Oh, is it? <laughs> and 
I am having a heart gringle. Oh, oh, why, why, William, um, I love your words. I do. Do you? Do you love them or do you love them? Uh, I love them. If Great. Do you think you could say it more upon the streets? Make it a thing. Make it happen. William, are you trying to use us as influencers again? Yes, please. So the question that I have is that you invented a lot of new words. You invented the word lades to mean ladies. You invented the word e-love to mean love. Why the obsession with either adding or subtracting a vowel to make a new word? Well, the thing is, Will, um, it's so funny saying my own name. Um, the thing is, I like, if I'm going to be brutally honest here, and I can because I'm dead, it doesn't matter. I just want to be loved. And I just feel like if I make up words and people say the words I've made up, I get this nice full body tingle, which makes me feel like a better person and like I somehow have worth in the world. Do you know what I mean? I can't seem to find it within. I mean, I think these days you all go and look at somebody and say words and you feel better. But back in the day, you just had to have a pint of ale and slap yourself. So to be clear, you feel like you don't love yourself. And therefore, the reason why you try and create new words is to be a, uh, a bit of a meanie, a bit of a scoundrel, and a bad person. Sorry, it looks like you're crying there. Oh, no, no, I was, I was merely folding my face in, uh, in uh, yes-ness. <laughs> Thank you for the muscular validation. Uh, so if that's why you're a mean person, uh, if we move on, there is evidence that there are at least two lost Shakespeare plays titled Cardenio and Love's Labours One. Now, is that the only two? Um, there's actually a third one. And what is that called? It's called Whence the Songbird Is. I would love to see the opening scene of that. Oh, I enjoyed writing that, Will. You're going to really relish it. So this is not just the scene we are seeing, it is also the writing process as the scene happens. Correct. What's it like having me on set? Distracting? Oh, actually, I'm finding it quite quite nice. Actually, I'm uh, I'm I'm not used to this kind of uh, kind of relationship. Normally, uh, normally I don't get to have any process, any 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 involvement in the process. Uh, I did have a few questions. Oh, fire away! As a songbird, what's my motivation? Um, cheese. You were the son of a tenant farmer who dabbled in multiple jobs, including being the borough's official ale taster in 1556. Many historians believe that your parents were illiterate. What was it like to be an ale taster? Oh, um, um, it was very refreshing. <laughs> oh, young Bill, come and join your father on his knee. Hello, tis I, young Will. Well, if you insist on calling yourself Will, young Bill, that's fine. But first, have a swig of this ale and tell me what you think it tastes of. I couldn't possibly. I'm not of age. Not that it matters in these times. Oh, come on, Will. Do what your father says. Oh, well, okay. I can't see any harm in this. Let's have a slurp. Oh, yes. Mmm. Gosh. Wow, I feel like giddy in my head, and like my feet are made of claws. <laughs> That's what you think of this one. What about this one? This one is tasty and reminds me of Christmas. And that one is pasty 
and reminds me of Christmas. And that one is toasty and reminds me of Christmas. And that one is mosty and moist. Well, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> Lovely. Love you. Little is known about the relationship between you and your wife, Anne, although you often lived apart and you only bequeathed her your second best bed in your will. Ah, we had an in-joke. <laughs> so the first best bed was actually um, a, a roll of tissues. <laughs> and the second best bed was the bed. So actually, I gifted her our bed. That was a joke we had. <laughs> yes. How many beds were there in your house? Ah, just the two. The pretend tissue bed and the real bed. Did you often do this with other items of furniture in oh, the home? We, yes, we did. Go on then. We had the pretend. Uh, we had we had, we had we had the fireplace, which was um, just me in the corner um, doing this, and we we had the real fireplace. And by doing this, I waved my my hands. Um, we had the um, the, uh, the the foot scraper, the first foot scraper, which was um, just um, me. Crouch down, and then we had the real foot scraper. The, the, the best one, the second best one. <laughs> oh, husband. Oh, wife. It's so lovely that we can spend this time at home. It's so brilliant and wonderful and excellent and demonobent. Meow. <laughs> is that the real cat or is that you being a cat? I can't tell anymore. <laughs> that's Meow. the, that's the, uh, the, the, the best cat. Uh, not the second best cat. <laughs> it's, it's one I made of um, rocks and foam. Meow. <laughs> I'm so, always so astounded by your inventiveness, William. Um, I do sometimes wonder if perhaps you could do it a little less. Well, look over here. I drew a window with crayons. Is it real or is it my crayon window? It's your crayon window. Yes. <laughs> we do... I mean, look over here. Oh. I made a latrine out of crow's eyes, or is it the latrine? That's horrifying, William. Does a lot of time here in the countryside. It is. It does entertain me, as your wife, to never know: Am I taking my ablutions above a, a latrine, where you know things may be uh, perhaps down, down at the latrine well and out of the way, or am I just weeing on crow's eyes? Well, you've got to keep it fresh. <laughs> yes, that's what keeps our love alive, isn't it? Absolutely. For the other day, I thought, is this my embroidery? Or is, is this, this mine husband? Mine husband, yes. <laughs> oh, it was I, shaped like a welcome home sign. <laughs> I nearly stabbed you in the eye with my needle. I William. know, and it was fruity. <laughs> there we go. Sometimes I like to take you outside, and I'm like, look, it's a, is that a cloud, or is it just... Me covered in sheep's fluff. And then I turn around and you're not there and suddenly you're up in the sky covered in sheep's fluff. There's dangling off a tree, my fave. So I would like to know. Uh, obviously, you had a lot of uh, in-jokes there between you and your wife and it sounds like a lot of items of furniture uh, came to be somewhere and some weren't and a lot of duplicity there. But I want to question, you made a latrine out of crow's eyes. <laughs> yes. Where did you get all the crow's eyes from? Ah, well, back in the day, there was a lot of death. And, um... I require no further explanation. I would just like to see it unfold.
Welcome, Master William. Did I? I feel welcomed, thank you. Welcome to this blasted heath. <laughs> Not just the heath, the blasted heath. Yes, listen to the wind. <laughs> Are you okay? Yes. Do you need to chew on some hawthorn? <laughs> I have chewed on plenty hawthorn in my time, and this is how I got this voice. Ah. For there are uh, prickles on Hawthorne, and it has taken away the inside of my throat. Oh, I do. I'm so sorry. Well, I have this tincture of lemon balm and um, goat's eyes. Will it bring death? Well, no, it's actually a, a throat remedy. Ah, this blasted heath is about death. Okay. Death, 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 death. Aye, even my trusty crow, Perkins. Hello, Perkins. He talks of death, too. Gosh. Oh. Death, it's coming for us all. <laughs> That's very true. Well, well, I say, have you got my uh, daily delivery of clothes? Aye. Uh, not Perkins, obviously. Not Perkins. No, I have a bag of crows. A bag of crows for you. For all things come to death. Your eyes will come to death. Your hair will come to death. Ooh. Your eyelashes will come to death. Perkins' claws will come to death. The sky will come to death. I get... Ah. I, I, I understand. Death will come to death. Oh, oh. That will definitely come to death. Yes, that will stand to reason. So anyway, did you want these crows? I would love these crows, yes. Um, would you like a signed copy of my latest play? Oh, yes, please. That would be lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the offer of the uh, tincture, the lemon balm and, and uh, sheep's I, eyes. I, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it. Yes. I can't see a crone in pain. I'm terribly oh, sorry. Oh, no. A crone in pain is like uh, a sky without the sun. <laughs> Correct. Anyway, ladies, have a wonderful evening. Thank you very much. Maybe see you down the tavern. Lovely doing business with you. A business, business. Business, death. Good, death. good. Death, 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 death. <laughs> well, as we know, the ultimate celebration of someone's life is musical theatre. William, it must have been incredibly flattering to have your life turned into a musical. What about Shakespeare, the musical, specifically, did you enjoy? It was heavenly. Imagine your whole life made into song. Gosh. I could only dream of such a thing. My dreams are quite bleak. <laughs> what do your dreams normally entail? Um, myself, atop a chimney, atop a large mammal, atop a bean. Is this one of the musical numbers? <laughs> well, it's quite a perilous scenario, isn't it? I mean, the thinking of the thing on the bottom is very perilous and, and small. Uh, yes, that was one of the musical numbers. Well, I cannot wait to see it. I can't wait too. Somewhere. Somewhere atop. Atop a chimney. Somewhere. Somewhere atop a beam. Somewhere. Somewhere. Atop the thing that it's atop of. What is is atop must be below, for that is how things go in Will's dreams. Atop 
below. To and fro, who knows where Will's dreams will go. Truly incredible series of dreams there. Yes, I, I thank you. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Thank you're you, thank you so much. You're very welcome. I'm just really grateful to be here. You know, I've been so dead. <laughs> now it must be said that while that musical number beautifully encapsulated some of the dreams you have and your ambitions, I believe at least part of this musical deals with the real life that you have. Given that you love to sit, and given that uh, your life has been a mixture of both uh, energetic, dramatic things happening and more pedestrian, mundane things happening, I would love to know, is there any point that you decided to turn one of your plays into a musical? Is this something you ever considered? I, I literally thought that Macbeth could be a musical. Okay, Macbeth. So very quickly, sum up the plot of Macbeth again. Um, it's some witches who have a time and uh, they, they eat some stuff and everyone's chill <laughs> yes uh, I think the version of Beth that I read at school has probably been uh, confused and mixed up over time but the original version yes you are correct is some witches having some food and having a chill time I cannot wait to see this musical me neither Then. Yes. All yes. right. 
then, sisters. Yeah. Yes, sisters. Yeah. Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. It would be nice if we could just take a minute to sit and be chill and great. Frog's legs, puppy's eyes, frog's spawn, death. Moon and stars and mist and wings, me and you and us and things. Toast and jam and Pizza and bagels, eating and having a chill time. That is our fable. Hubble, hubble, bubble, bubble, toilet, toilet, trouble, trouble, bubble, bubble. Holding up pitchforks, things are going bad, we say. We don't want any of this persecution. We just want to have a nice time chilling with our friends who are witches. But we don't put out curses and stuff because we're just sisters. The fluffy slippers. I'm really enjoying the gossip. The what, sorry? The gossip. The gossip I misheard. I like the way you validate my lifestyle. Always, darling, always. See you then. See you then. This has been the life of William Shakespeare, as brought to life by Rhiannon Vivian, Jenny Rowe, Keisha, and Joe Samuel. I am Warname, and this has been Dead British. Dead British, the improvised history show on Union Jack Radio.